If we really want to see full, you know, global legalization and freedom for people to choose what's right for their bodies, that this is the piece. Hello and welcome to This is Cannabis from X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. I'm your host, Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms. And with me in the studio today is my co-host, Emma Chasen, the founder of Eminent Consulting. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really well. What's going on? Just got back from Oklahoma. Yeah, tell me about that. Oh my God. It is fascinating down there. So Oklahoma does have medical cannabis. Mm-hmm. It is the wild, wild west of cannabis because there's really no regulations right now. Um, but all of these applications for licensure have been approved. So people are operating, but like kids are in a dispensary and like children are in the children dispensary, are in which the is highly, highly illegal here. Maybe yeah. illegal, oh. like highly regulated. Yeah. Highly I mean, against the rules. You can't have somebody who's under 21 enter into the lobby of a dispensary here, right. let alone like actual like showroom, like the the counter with all the cannabis on it is like two feet away from these two little children. Mm-hmm. It's it's an inc- it's an incredibly low barrier to entry or there is an incredibly low barrier to entry for entering into the industry down there. The application is only $2,500. So like anybody with $2,500 their bank account could apply for a cannabis license now is that is that a purposeful like sort of libertarian outcome or why why that is that all happening yeah so it it's definitely more of like free market it's also a patient market so it is it is a market that is designed for patients meaning that the more competition that you have in the market the more licenses that you offer one the more businesses that are going to operate the more product that's on the market the, the more cheaper access. the cheaper the price okay. yeah yep so john eccles boy that doesn't sound like a very good uh, envi- business environment oh no i mean we look here in oregon we had our application for licensure cost about forty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. and that was considered an incredible low barrier yeah. to entry compared to like pennsylvania where you need just two million dollars just you need two million dollars in escrow to be able to even apply right and so i mean that's i don't i don't support that either necessarily um but also with such low barrier to entry there will be a crash and burn effect for sure but Oklahoma is cool, man. Like I, I've never been and I went and Oklahoma city, like you feel it. I imagine that the way that I felt in Oklahoma city this past weekend was how being in Portland, like 10 to 15 years ago felt just like, Ooh, this place is ripe with potential. I think that it will be part of the next wave of Portland's and Austin's like Louisville, Kentucky and, and Oklahoma city. There's, there are like cool things happening there. And now with the addition of cannabis, uh, I I'm actually very excited for that market. Right on. Yeah. I'm I'm eager to go check it out sometime. I don't oh know my when God. that will happen due to my life schedule, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. You sh- you should. We'll go down there. Did I want to do Did you see Wayne Coin from it. the Flaming Lips when you no, were there? No, but we did, we went by his womb gallery, he calls it. Wow. Which is amazing. I mean, the art just on the the walls outside are so cool and I was down there for work and uh one of my clients, he actually got invited to like an invite only new year's eve party of wayne coins at the womb gallery and like party with like miley cyrus there yeah sure and they're friends yeah they are yeah womb gallery womb it was so cool actually like the art outside i mean it looked like uh like you took like 10 hits of acid and just like went ham and it was 
awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to Google image that when I get out of here because I'm dying to you know should. what it you yeah. absolutely should. All right. So I'm excited about today's uh, episode. Me too. Yeah. Me too. We got some great, great women on today who are yeah. doing very cool things to empower women in Indeed, this space. Indeed, they are doing very cool. And they have been doing cool things for, for a, a, a long, long time. For a long time. Really, like their, their roots in community organizing and event planning. I mean... We want to talk about a resume. They both got great resumes. Yeah. So we're going to speak to uh, Samantha Montanero uh, and Lisa Snyder of Tokativity. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go to that conversation now. Boom. Our guests today are Samantha Montanero and Lisa Snyder of Tokativity, an organization which hosts a wide variety of events aiming to connect and empower women of all ages uh, across the globe. Tokativity curates intentional and focused experiences such as socials, workshops, networking events, cannabis conversations, and online community events. Samantha and Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having to be here. So good to that have you That was so well timed, guys. That was. And like Amazing. exactly on like the right lilt yeah. and cadence. I loved it. Amazing. Yes, thank you for being here. It's really great to have you. Um, all right. So to start our talk today, I wanted to ask you both to please tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved in the cannabis industry here. Sure. Um, I'll go first. So I... I've been going to feminist events for like 12 years. They were for women and they women traveled from like all over the world to attend them. I was super inspired by what women were like when they were away from the male gaze. And I just couldn't I couldn't unsee that. Mm -hmm. So along that trail, uh, my parents died of cancer when I was in my 20s. And so. Thank you. Um, It really put me on a path of like self-discovery. And I co-founded a feminist community in New York City and a meetup group for bisexual and lesbian women and sort of like cultivating these communities. And then my wife and I decided to move out to Portland, Oregon in 2013 in an RV with all of our cats and working full time. (laughs) It was kind of hell. (laughs) You know, what's really funny is we actually moved out here in an RV like the same year we decided to sell all of our stuff. And we moved out. We had like the same story. And it was also hell. My RV still currently lives in Montana. We're (laughs) broke down. Oh, my God. Oh anyway, keep going, Lisa. Yeah. It is so bizarro that like we kind of arrived here around the same time right. in the same manner. It was kind oh, of weird. so synchronistic. Mm-hmm. Super I synchronistic. love how that just like pulls you to mm-hmm. where you're meant to be. Yeah, mm. there's been so many synchronicities in like our business relationship and friendship. Um, but anyway, so my wife and I moved out here with like no intentions of like getting into cannabis like whatsoever. I just like really loved the creative energy and spirit out here, and I just was ready for a change. And then legalization happened in 2015, and I suddenly felt like the world opened up where I really wanted to cultivate, like, women community again. I was missing it, and I kind of just build things, and, like, they don't exist. I'm like, I need to, you know, I need to do this. So um, I kind of came up with the idea of tokativity from getting stoned and making vision boards with friends on New Year's Day. And that idea just kept coming up a lot, but I wasn't really able to like actualize it into the world until I met Sam. Right. Yeah. For our listeners, mm. that was Lisa Snyder speaking. Uh, you, you, I think you'll quickly be able to tell the difference between their, you know, their their accents. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, so Samantha Montanero from Chicago. I am from Chicago. Yeah, or Wisconsin born. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I always loved cannabis 
definitely love at first toke and at 15. And my background in Chicago um, was a multitude of things, but mostly graphic design and creative work. And um, also uh, I'm a musician and I got a job managing School of Rock, a couple different locations on the North Shore of Chicago. And there I really discovered my passion for doing events. I was, you know, doing fundraisers, booking shows, and I just love it so, so much. I'm just a really highly social person and um, really get filled up by being surrounded by people for a common cause. And when we decided to sell all of our stuff and move out to Portland because we loved the creative With a brief energy stop out in here. Montana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not so brief. Yeah. <laughs> I experienced hitchhiking for the first time and all kinds <gasps> of fun things. Um, but um, when we moved out to Oregon, so I guess even to back up a little bit, I have scoliosis and osteoarthritis and have been prescribed benzos and opioids for a long time. And you know, I think abuse teeters on the edge no matter who you are if you're, like, regularly being prescribed pills. And and thankfully for, you know, for myself, I, I never went down, like, a, a rabbit hole, but it was something that was kind of a constant in my life because managing chronic pain is tough. And when we came out to Oregon, I, I got my medical card right away and discovered topicals, which completely changed my life, and it really amplified my awakening for what this plant can do. Um, I started using differently as well. And with my, you know, knowledge from School of Rock and and me being like, I really need my own space. I just need my own space to do the things that I want to do. And I started what I thought was just going to be an events company. And then cannabis was legalized. And I was like, oh, man, I'm doing weed events for sure. And the company name is Prism House. And I launched that business in 2015. 2015. And it just brought me on a path of meeting all kinds of beautiful people, you y'all included. Well, I mean, tell us about Prism House a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, Prism House, it's really me. Prism House right. is really yes. me and yeah. everything yes. I love. It is my art. It is um, my creative work. I do a lot of graphic design under that name. Um, and now a lot of creative work in the uh, in the cannabis industry, which is like a dream because cannabis has always fueled my creativity. And then, you know, my husband and I bought a big old house. And with the lack of social consumption regulations here in Oregon, the only place you can consume cannabis was in a private residence. And we took what we thought was going to be an urban farm and kind of community, communal, like, I hate to say commune because it's right. like in the city, but like right. we really did mm-hmm. have like this, well, it's a cool this place. kind of view. I mean, yeah. You know. Oh, it's of like beautiful. Having, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, we have, we've had um, exchange students from different countries and we've, people come stay with us and um, have done house concerts and, you know, all kinds of things. And, and, um, it, you know, with, with adding in the cannabis piece into the events, it, it just really took shape on its own. I started doing um, yoganja the yoga and cannabis. And that was like way early. I think Ganja Yoga by D DeSalt was the only other thing going on really in the United States like that at that time. Wow. And um, Puff Pass and Paint, which was founded by Heidi Keys in, in Denver. I was hosting that class and doing all kinds of classes. And I just started meeting everybody really quickly. And it was, you know, it was really quite special to be one of the only cannabis event planners. Like, I think that was, you know, the beautiful jobs that come out of a new industry that you you don't even think exist. Right. Um, and it just took me on a on a path of, of really 
building community, um, creating spaces for people to explore cannabis consumption. And this feeds into to meeting Lisa with it being in my house, the kind of format of the events were, were these different rooms that had different things going on. And that, that really became a theme of Prism House events, whether I was curating it for a company or for a fun thing or for bud tender education or outreach or, mar- you know, marketing tactics for, for different businesses. How are they reaching consumers? This kind of model of, of doing you know, including all the creative things and experiences with cannabis. The the fact is, is most people who consume cannabis are really active and not yeah, lazy stoners. Contrary to public opinion right. or stereotypes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So this really kind of fed into what, you know, when Lisa came to me with the idea for Tokativity, I mean, I was like, <laughs> hell to the yes. Like <laughs> right now, yes. Um, It was a, kind of a missing piece that I, I I hadn't been doing any a series that was officially for women. I had done a handful of brunches and gatherings and and industry you know women in the industry focused kind of networking things and and this was really a cool idea to to meld all of the things together. All right, so let's talk about it. I want to read this. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to read a, a quote from y'all's website to sort of set the table about tokativity for our listeners, and then we can really get into it. Um, the quote is this: "Women and cannabis have both been subject to the patriarchal imbalance of our modern world for too long. The drug war and the suppression of women have ruined lives, and the time is now to restore this much needed balance on our earth. We believe that women and cannabis together." Together can make that happen. Uh, amazing. Please mm. tell us all about so tokativity good. now that we have sort of the, the wind up. Yeah. Um, so we have evolved really quickly. It became it was started as an event series that then quickly became a community. And then this like global need sort of surfaced. And because, you know, the Internet is what it is right now, you can like really talk to anybody like wherever. So. We have this like huge following now that, you know, was started here in Portland, but now we like are connecting with women across the world. So I think that cannabis is this thing that you can use to explore parts of yourself. And some of those parts of yourself may be old patterns. And I think that it has this unique ability. Sorry, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, um, even just the way that you think about something like I, I, I see this, like, I, you know, when when I get um, when I consume cannabis with like intention. Right. I have I, I'm able to like create new pathways in my mind where I can see different things that I didn't see before. Um, Sam talks about this a lot where I don't, I don't know like what what language you use specifically, but it's like it just opens up different portals into yourself and like it always surfaces things, things you need to work on. Right. Mm. Yeah, so, I had that literal same exact experience. You do. Yes. Yeah. And talked about same. that experience on my on the show last week, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. But it's please like go ahead. Illumination. Yeah. illumination. Yeah. yeah. So um, so your your question. Can you remind me of your question? Sure. Uh, wouldn't you say uh, exploring old patterns? Mm-hmm. I think that. We have all grown up in a patriarchal society where it has certain values that it impresses on all of us. And in order to create more balance in this world, I feel like we need to look at the patterns, both men and women, about how do we interact with the world and with each other and choose something different that we're all, you know, versus what we're all used to. Um, so we're trying to do that you know, in our own women's space by acting differently while, you know, 
for example, like women, you know, put their drinks down and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't I didn't realize how scared I was of like someone spiking my drink until I felt safe enough to put this down. It's like these little tiny things, but they all add up to so much anxiety Mm -hmm. that we all feel. And there's so much toxic masculinity, especially like right now in this political climate that like we all need more balance. And I do believe that like women and cannabis and the combination of those things can actually forward this intention of expansion. Yeah, I like what excites me is the fact that, you know, CBD specifically, right, like really aims to create homeostasis on a cellular level. Mm -hmm. And and then that in combination with this like really feminine energy, I mean, it's the it's the female plant that we consume Mm -hmm. to begin with. I think it's interesting the timing of all of this. Um, with the uprising of the legalization of cannabis in conjunction with the uprising of, again, of feminism and the, the continued uprising of equality for women, you know, in our world. And I, I think it's n- no accident that this is happening simultaneously, that when men can consume cannabis and embrace a little bit of this feminine energy and talk about their emotions and open themselves up a little bit, how how amazing is that for them who have been told that you're weak if you're too emotional? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been witnessing a lot of men going through this transition of just Im- learning how to embrace the fact that they do they do in fact have emotion, <laughs> uh, contrary to po- popular belief. Yeah. Um, you know, well, if I may, like you know, um, I. I when I want to do work on myself, let's say, and it's not it may not be on myself, but it's like an issue that I'm looking at. Right. Let's for instance, when I I use cannabis sometimes and and uh, but purposefully, like intentionally, like you said, and typically what the answer I come up with um, after thinking about something uh, high for a while is is like. Oh, this is my ego. It's like it's it sort of uh, deflates the male ego or my ego. And then I come to like a more sort of nuanced or dare I say enlightened result. It's like it unblocks you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like maybe it doesn't deflate the ego, but it's like takes it away from the focal point of like where everybody's, you know, for lack of better words, like focusing on, you don't realize that like that's not actually who you are. It's just sort of like there to protect mm-hmm. you. Well, that's a part of who I am, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think. But you know what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah it's part it's of all a, of us. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting from a creative perspective how like the right strain can literally like I experience like a cracking open where it's like where I was not inspired by an idea all of a sudden I can like literally see it in my brain and I'm just like yes and we'll quick you know whip something out that maybe I've been thinking about for a week I mean doing doing design work for a living is interesting where you you know people are like okay be creative now come up with something amazing for me (laughs) and and it's really hard to do all the time I mean sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm doing upwards of 20 different projects in like one month it's really hard to drum up that creative energy sometimes. And I think it's so interesting how cannabis really cracks that open and helps it flow. Um, it definitely helps it flow. Yeah, it's such an internal catalyst for like really good self-work, but also thinking about tokativity and what you all do to provide that space to also have that in community is so important, like really fostering play. And, and we talk a lot about in this industry, at least I see a lot of media around female inclusivity in in the cannabis industry how can we make more opportunity for women how can we make more space for women and with the onset of tokativity it kind of came 
came out of, at least I saw it, and please correct me, from like the death of Women Grow here, where like Women Grow died and it just left this vacuum for for like women community. Like can we stop right there and can someone explain what Women Grow is for our listeners so that... Sure. I want to say this is so interesting to me because it was certainly not planned. We mm-hmm. didn't know Women Grow was dying and we... We built this, and it literally like yeah, happened at the same out time as we were launching Tokativity. <laughs> so, that the, they were stopping the, you know, the yeah. um, the chapter. So, Women Grow is a prof- professional networking organization for women in cannabis. Um, it was founded in Denver. I don't know in what year, but it was really amazing mm-hmm. when it started. I mean, it was just incredible to have these networking events, really highlighting women leaders. How inspiring, you know, how inspiring for someone like myself who I knew I was an entrepreneur, but I had never done that before. I had never started my own business before. And I decided to launch Prism House. And, you know, luckily my neighbor is one of the founders of the of the chapter here in um, in Portland, Leah Maurer. And she was like, you've got to come to this thing. And that first meeting there were... The Which most... was, by the way, at my house. The first uh, the first oh, big event yeah. was at my house. Oh, yeah. um, the kickoff event ever. Sorry. Just... So amazing. Yeah. it's yeah. It was incredible. I, I met so many women that I was like, okay, I like, I, I developed quickly not only friendships, but mentors. I had resources for other, you know, other women that were that were interested in doing the same things I was. And um, they they launched chapters all over the place and they're still going on. You know, unfortunately, they had some just some issues with with the the business structure and they made some changes that really kind of turned people off. And I think I mean, my recollection of it and we shouldn't probably get too deep into this, but the Portland chapter became so popular that um, or I guess I guess Portland, maybe Oregon chapter became so popular that the national chapter was tr- I don't know. They made a bunch of changes with regards to fundraising or something. And, I think uh, that like it was so new and that there was like a lot of like figuring it on your own. And then they implemented rules that some of the chapters rejected. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. As I understand Yeah, it. but it was it was mm-hmm. amazing. I it mean, really God, was. It back was, in the day, that was, it was a great like time. I mean, that's when I met Samantha, yeah. you know, like the, again, like the, the, the first of, I was, I was not, had, didn't have a lot to do with it, but I did offer my house as the venue for the first event. And then I would go to events monthly or maybe even like kind of bi-monthly. I think the second um, event was the first one I went to, but I have been to your house. And that's where, <laughs> and that's where like I became friends with like Trista Maurer mm-hmm. and Leah, oh, excuse me, Tristel Oko and Leah yeah. Maurer and, and uh, it was so really, it was the Amazing beginning activist. of the cannabis industry here in yeah. some, in lots of ways. Yeah. And for Oregon um, And to, it was driven by women, yeah, which was awesome. And we had the largest chapter here. And I think that's really speaks to the culture of, of Oregon. I'm really grateful to be a part of the culture here because it just really took off. I, you know, I think in other, in other cities, this is, it's not going to take off the same way. Mm-hmm. But here it was like, wow, there are literally hundreds of badass executive women that are taking their skills from other industries and implementing them into cannabis. And what a time to be alive. I mean, I remember being like, pinch me. This is this is completely wild. I cannot believe that we're at this professional networking event with all of these incredible people that have done all kinds of things throughout their life. Um, and we're all sitting here talking about weed. That's mm. where I met Sam. Was at a women grown networking event mm-hmm. by the snack table. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I had like seen women grow in like a magazine, and I like cut out 
you know, I was like, I want to be part of that one day. Like, I just didn't know a lot about it, but I just knew that, like, this is such a cool phenomenon of, like, cannabis legalization and then, like, women empowerment in some manner. And I'm obsessed with, like, feminism. Mm. Um, You know, something that we identified, though, early on was that women grows for the industry. And what about all of the women who are smoking weed in their closet because they are afraid Mm -hmm. to be stigmatized? They're afraid if they're a parent, they're deathly afraid of losing their children there's so many other pieces that came into play and we were really like we we want to create a bridge between the industry and the consumer and that hasn't really happened in many ways and we're still like very excited about that the fact that we've done that since the beginning and um you know coming from a background of like coming you know like the bisexual like lesbian world like there's there's this stigma on both sides where like lesbians are afraid of bisexuals and bisexuals are afraid of lesbians. So I created this meetup group to bridge those things and to help like sort of women come out of whatever closets they were in and be more comfortable with each other. And that's sort of some of the same idea that we're applying to the cannabis space of like helping women come out of the green closet wherever they're at. Some women have been cannabis consumers for a really long time, but like smoking outside, like in their you know, in their, in their bathrooms, you know, while their children are sleeping and like nobody knows they're cannabis consumers but when they meet each other they're finally like able to be more free inside themselves and sam and i definitely support you know more internal freedom and movement Mm, yeah there's a special thing that happens when you can go from that like shame place and also that really isolated place especially for women i think of just like no this i'm my experience is nobody else's experience i'm weird like i'm not okay and to come to a room full i mean like a tokativity social where there's a hundred plus women smoking weed and hanging out just having a good time it helps so much to normalize that Mm -hmm. like i'm cool this is cool yeah we're okay eating Mm -hmm. edibles or drinking cannabis cocktails or vaping Mm -hmm. or dabbing or you know there's so many different modes and I think that's been a very cool we've really provided a space for exploring as well and really finding what works for you and we've had a lot of we've had first time consumers as well mm-hmm. which is so exciting probably the most exciting was like an 80 85 she 80s, was 81 81 yeah. year old woman <laughs> and her, da- her daughter was hula hooping at <laughs> Tokativity for like yeah. a performance yeah. and she came and she had a, a cannabis drink with mm-hmm. like muru mm-hmm. and it was like two and a half milligrams and yeah. she left with a huge smile on her face yeah. and said that she felt really good and this is a woman who also called her granddaughter a drug dealer because she like didn't know like because she sure. like worked yeah. at a dispensary yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. to be so. able to see that it's it's normal people mm. use it and they're not like quote unquote dope fiends or like jumping off the walls it's not a sketchy scary place I think that's also something so lovely about tokativity when I've experienced it it's like it it's pretty it feels good right (laughs) there are a lot of good snacks out which is always important a beautiful spread like the the venue is beautiful there's like that that also helps, I know, for me to kind of come out of the closet in that way. You know, I've been saying this a lot lately, but it keeps hitting really deep is the fact that women completely shatter stoner stoner stigmas and just really rock the the public's view of what somebody who consumes cannabis looks like. Mm. And I get so pumped up about that. And it like makes me want to just keep keep doing this and keep empowering more women because 
you know, I don't think anyone was that surprised when they found out that I was into cannabis because um, I've always been kind of hippie. But I like own a business. I'm the president of a nonprofit. I'm a mother. I like do eight billion things. Right. And mm-hmm. and just that fact, most women do. They're community leaders. They're on the women school Women are doers, board. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're organizers. They a, organize the household. I mean, right. it's creators. So it it really shatters the stigma. And I think that if we really want to see full, you know, global legalization and freedom for people to choose what's right for their bodies, that this is the piece. Like this is what helps that happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will happen without it. Mm-hmm. Without women being like, I use cannabis. Yes, absolutely. I mean, all brands want female consumers. That's especially in emerging markets. Brands are now like, okay, how do we get the female market? They're, how they're do making we brand? the decisions of their household, their health decisions, right. like oh, the buying decisions. They have a lot of buying power. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can find sponsorship information at tokativity.com <laughs> slash collaborate. Hell yeah. <laughs> well we're, done, we're, we're your answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do want to go back to, so I know from like the lesbian bisexual space um, that a lot of those like women only spaces, even if it's a lesbian bar, have been just like decimated Mm -hmm. in many cities, just Mm -hmm. like the systematic destruction sounds harsh, but like closing of those spaces. And I think it's very important to like really to carve out those spaces for women. Um, But oftentimes they are labeled as exclusionary, whether it's trans exclusionary or um, just like for the full gender spectrum. So I'm wondering if you've had any of that pushback and how you would respond to that criticism, if so. Well, Tokativity is for women and women identified. So that's who it's for and that's who we focus on. I think a lot of women's things get erased, especially with like different kinds of movements being louder And I think it's really unfair to try to burn them down while other people are trying to create things. It doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be destructive. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be destroying things that are beautiful and meant to, like, you know, provide safe spaces for women. And um, as far as pushback, I think that we've just gotten, like, confusion from men being like, well, why can't I come? And, you know, there's been a lot of things for a lot of men for a really long time. And it takes a lot of energy to protect the space. I can't even tell you how many conversations we've had with people who are trying to get in somehow or try to, like, stir things up. And I I just want the respect of, like, we just need a couple of hours of our time. It's like getting a pedicure or something. It's like just being away. Why? Why don't we deserve that? Why? Why? You know what I mean? Why Mm -hmm. is it difficult? Forgive me if you'll. If I'll do the world's biggest eye roll when you say something like men just want to be like, oh, how can I get into that? Or why can't I get into that? Generally speaking, they're just so used to getting what they want when they can't have something. They want it more. So um, they're just used to it. It's just part of the privilege of being male, mostly white male. White white male privilege. Yes. And it's like it's just constantly knocking up. And it's it's like. Having to explain it a hundred times, you know, I can only imagine like what people of color have to deal with when it comes to like the white privilege and like the things that we say all the time when you realize that like this is exactly what happened with Black Lives Matter is it was like, well, all lives matter, matter." you know, Uh and it's just like, "Ah, it's not the focal point about everybody. (laughs) It's not about you. (laughs) And yeah, it's like it's really not about men it's about women mm-hmm. and what they need and what they want and creating safe space for them to consume and protecting that and um 
you know, we we find that to be like we wouldn't be who we are or we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't continue to protect that space. Mm. I want to talk more about including men in the conversation, but I think that's going to be on our next segment. So should we take a break? Let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a break there. Uh, You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM. This is Cannabis from X-Ray FM is available as a podcast through the Apple Music Store. Please rate and subscribe so that if you ever miss an episode live on the air, you can still keep up with us. All right, and we are back. If you were just joining us, you were listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson. With me in the studio is my co-host, Emma Chasen. Uh, and our guests today are Samantha Montanero and Lisa Snyder of Tokativity, an organization which hosts a wide variety of events aiming to connect and empower women of all ages across the globe. You guys have an event coming up, uh, the title of which is uh, The Future is One-to-One. Uh, and it's going to be held at the Commune, uh, uh, on February 2nd at 7 p.m. Can uh, can I ask you guys to please tell us about it? Yes, indeed. This has been a long time in the making. Um, it, it didn't really stem from, like, men being like, I want to come to Tokativity, but, like, a, a, a piece of it was the the need to support what we're doing and not really knowing, like, how exactly and also not feeling totally ready but this is an ally building workshop and social. So we're taking the idea of, you know, the social, which is what we do with our community. But before we do that, before we kind of kick back and like have fun and chit chat and stuff like that, like let's really actually like work together to build an ally relationship, which mm-hmm. I think is something that is absolutely missing. It's like, I think that men want to support women they want to help they don't know what to do we're not really giving them a place to do that and so this isn't this is an experiment for us to make some more bridges i can tell you more about how it all yeah like you know i mean piggybacking on everything we've been we've been talking about here okay so it so if we're if we're really genuinely trying to create a different cultural landscape of the way men and women exist and and the number of women that hold executive roles and and have wealth and and are hold, represented hold in Congress. Power, are rep- mm-hmm. are exactly. This yeah. is a huge part of of our goals to help inspire more women to make those choices to be like I'm going to run for president. Mm. I'm going to run for a con- to be a congresswoman, you know. If we really want to get there, you know, we can sit around and talk about it all day long or or truthfully, we can empower ourselves to the highest level, right? We can we can have our woman only spaces where where we're we're getting what we need. But the other side of this coin is like we need we need our allies. We need the other people in the world to to create different practices and like we were talking about even with cannabis kind of like the patterns. For example, you you're hanging out in a social situation and you see a guy grab a girl's butt as he walks by her. We see this kind of stuff all the time, right? What what do what does anybody do? In most cases we just ignore it. And I think it's really because no one knows what to do. And if we really want to create a huge shift, we all need to practice doing something differently. And that's what this is about. I mean, mm-hmm. we literally want to role play doing something differently. When you practice doing something a certain way, you're prepared for when you see it. 
And and this goes, I think, a lot deeper than gender. This, you know, it's the same conversation with people of different color and and different religions and different backgrounds and and different ages. I mean, how do we kind of change the way that we're treating one another? And it's not easy. We don't have the tools. We're not taught those tools. So we're we're really hoping to to widen all of our tool, like expand all of our toolboxes, mine included. I want to know. What what should I do when I am like hollered at by some guy? You know, this kind of stuff happens to me all the time. I really honestly don't know what to do in the situation. And I look forward to having deeper conversations with allies of mine. I would love to ask some of the prominent men in my life, what do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. What would you do? And even just having that conversation really like clicks for everybody of like, whoa, this is a thing. This was also inspired by a workshop that I went to called like white women, like working on your privilege. And part of the workshop was role playing of like redesigning what you saw or you experienced out in the world and then deciding in that role playing to do something different. And so that had a huge impact on me. I thought I've been thinking about it since then. And I thought, you know, I now can think differently about a couple of different situations where I had nothing in in my mind before or like how to react or what to say or how to really actually stop a racist moment in time, you know, as like a white person. And so I really wanted to apply that same idea to like an all gender space where we can listen to stories of women, some of their experiences out there in the world, role play some of them together. You know, it's going to be a little awkward, but the truth is, is that that is how you move forward is talking about the things no one wants to talk about. And I think that's one of the only ways that we can possibly advance all of ourselves starting here in Portland. And with, you know, I think that Portland has the this incredible cannabis community already built. And now we're just strengthening our relationships. And um, that is definitely one of the goals of this event. Mm. The title, The Future is One-to-One, has many, many meetings, many Mm -hmm. meanings for us. Um, But we're so inspired by cannabis, by the cannabis plant itself and how the, you know, uh, one-to-one strains are like the best. They're so good. They're They're definitely my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) They're so good. It's like it's a I feel a more predictable um, just a more predictable experience and I feel more balanced like I yeah. feel like whenever I eat like a wild gummy of like one-to-one I just feel like more in balance and like mm-hmm. that's really what we're trying to achieve with the future is one-to-one is more balance everybody wants it you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah. yeah yeah and we you know we like talk about you all the time Emma because Aww. you know you're everyone does talking, I know <laughs> but like you know the, part of part of like I think women's roles in in cannabis culture is like I'm not buying the highest THC product on the shelf that's mm-hmm. just not I think the average female consumer is not doing that the average woman wants a predictable experience that feels great and that can mean a lot of different things for us as individuals And when we say one-to-one, just for listeners, it's an equal amount of THC and CBD. And so it's it's a really nice ratio, in my opinion, because the CBD helps to like shunt that psychotropic activity that can cause anxiety and, and more like cognitive distortion. Um, and, and it just amplifies like the pleasantry of the mm-hmm. experience a lot easier 
to manage, a lot easier to continue to go out and do and create. As we've said, women are such doers. We have so much on our plate. And so I know for me, it is definitely my preferred ratio. And then thinking about that as the title for this event yeah. that you have is so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, done. And that, well done. And that Thank this you. is the point. This is the whole goal is like the, what that experience you just described. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we want to happen. You know, we want to mitigate right. some of the, <laughs> right. to some of the, shut the misogyny, bring up the pleasantry, yeah. keep everybody safe. I mean, it's yeah. important to include men in the conversation because there is also yeah. a call for like, this is not, it is not necessarily a woman's job to like erase this gender disparity, right? It's, no. it's also your job, men, because you made it you happen in up. the first place. Yeah. Okay. I mean, one of the realities of this is like, we are taking on the emotional burden of like bringing this to the table Mm -hmm. and having these conversations and you know like it's something that not everybody really wants to do but like I feel like in this particular event that like we are willing to step up and create this environment to hopefully get to you know like this entourage effect of our own creation I see what you did there oh oh, I love it (laughs) yeah it's so much it's so much bigger than than you know, I, I think that we have the opportunity here to really actually create some some interesting change, even our in our own cannabis community right here in Portland. Mm-hmm. And like Lisa said, this is kind of an experiment experiment. We're really hoping that people of of all identification, gender identifications come with a willingness to learn something. Yeah. Learn and grow. And and then, you know, after we like literally role play this and, you know, I mean, coming together as a team, there's nothing better. I, I like think of the you know, the classroom experiences that I've had in my life when you're when you're actually physically up and doing something with a team of people and you're you're in it together, it it really creates a different feeling in your body and it's memorable. It like imprints and then for us to be able to go about doing what we always do at Tokativity, which is really creating this very magical space of being active. There will be a craft table for the activity at the craft table. We'll be writing a letter to our future selves and there will be a drop box and we will mail you your letter to yourself in six months. This was this came from the first social we ever did in 2017 where it was like around Valentine's Day and it was like, let's write a letter to our future selves, a love letter, you know? We're taking that because we're not doing the love yourself more here in Portland. We're doing it in other cities. So we're taking that idea and putting it into the future because it's like, we want to write a letter to our future mm-hmm. selves. Like, what were we thinking and feeling during this event? And hopefully some changes happened. And when people receive those letters in the future they'll be proud of themselves it's amazing (laughs) like when when I received my letter that I wrote myself last year I just like started bawling because it was like it was like it showed up at the moment that it needed to I was having the hardest day and it was like you are a badass and it was like Simadana. like I literally (laughs) wrote some like funny things you know just it was like just what I needed to hear and you know to also just kind of show yourself some self-love I think that that's something that the patriarchal values don't include mm-hmm. is you know it's very a very kind of destructive energy and the feminine energy is is really about like turning it in and really truly loving yourself for who you are with all of your flaws and and recognizing that you can grow and blossom into anybody mm. and we all have that opportunity and 
um, we really hope to to foster that at this event. Awesome. All right. So the event is called uh, The Future is One to One. It will be held at the Commune uh, in the on the west side, 4th and, I don't know, Burnside, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the event is on February 2nd at 7 p.m. Can you tell us how to find you guys online? Tokativity.com, baby. Okay. Yep. And the for the, and the for event. the event information mm-hmm. is yeah. tokativity.com slash the future. Uh, Samantha Montanero, Lisa Snyder, thank you for joining us. Thank you so Tokativity.com. much. Tokativity.com. Thank you. com slash future. The future. The future. The future. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you are listening to This Is Cannabis on X-ray FM, and we'll be right back. This is Cannabis is brought to you by the Open Cannabis Project, an independent nonprofit whose mission it is to build a transparent and open source repository of cannabis data. Thanks to nearly 80 years of prohibition, cannabis is suffering from a bad case of both misinformation and missing information. The Open Cannabis Project is on a mission to fill this information gap, creating an open data repository of anonymized cannabis chemical readings. These public records can help bring fairness and transparency to everything from intellectual property issues to lab result tolerances. Donate your data and help fill that information gap. Learn more at opencannabisproject.org. Thank you for staying with us. You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland craft cannabis company Hi-Fi Farms, and with me is Emma Chasen, the founder of Eminent Consulting. Uh, now is usually the time when we make recommendations, but instead, today, we are going to address some listener criticism that we've gotten over the past couple of weeks. This was important for us to do, I feel like. Um, there was a couple, two bits of criticism that came in that, um, that Emma and I strongly, like, agreed with and uh touched us and they were i'll say like they were they were both things that at least i was aware of Mm -hmm. uh and and had been bothering me you know um certainly and it's sort of the i'm the kind of person that i'll just be kind of zoning out or spacing out doing dishes or something that i'll just start be like ah you know it'll just sort of hit a a wave of that thought spiral will, will hit me so uh we wanted to address it on the air and um yeah so the 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 First bit of criticism uh, came to me via Twitter uh, regarding episode 21, uh, which was titled Talking Diversity in the Cannabis Industry with Miss Oregon. I will say that that episode did not turn out for me uh, the way that I wanted it to at all, because it's an issue that I really care about. And this is, by the way, uh, no reflection on our, on our guest, Miss Oregon. Mm-hmm. This is this is all this is all me. Um, that was an episode that she and I did. I did alone. I should say well, she and I did together. But Emma was not here. And the criticism that I received is that I interrupted her a lot. And uh, I, I get that, and I totally agree with that. And, and, you know, listening back to that episode is pretty painful for me. I wasn't um, as prepared as I should have been for that conversation. I was uh, underslept and overcaffeinated on the day, and, and I'd sort of been in a bad headspace for about the last the previous two weeks, mm. uh, I was not in, in, in the best shape to have that conversation or potentially any conversation. Uh, you know, not, I don't want to make excuses, but I will offer an explanation in the interests of trying to present a coherent storyline in, in that episode, which is something that I always aim to do for every episode. I really do um, want to tell a story with every show we do. I was uh, more aggressive with her than I should have been. And um, I wanted to highlight that criticism from that um person who reached out to me on Twitter, and I wanted to uh, respond to it with an apology. I hope to do better uh, in the future. Um, Miss Oregon certainly deserved better. And uh, Mm -hmm. Emma, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's an important issue to tackle. um, And I think that 
in those issues, in trying to tackle those issues, there needs to be just more of a forum and a space for the people who are directly affected uh, by those issues, people of color, women of color, to just have the mic to tell their story, to take the stage and kind of for all of us white people to sit back and listen. Sit back and listen yeah. rather than trying to me my kind of micromanage, you know, th- I sitting in that conversation thinking about sort of like, you know, oftentimes during an episode, I'm like, what's the what's the final work product of this show going to be? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking about that during the conversation. And that's how I try to I try to steer things certain ways so that I know that we sort of get everything that we had talked about not you and I, but me and the guest or us and the guest uh, beforehand, you know, I mean, that's that is part of the job of an interviewer. But I, I didn't do it very well that day. Right. I didn't, there was no elegance, you know, uh, yeah. in, in terms of me trying to tell that story. It was, um, you know, again, just me sort of uh, on no sleep with too much coffee. And um, I'm probably, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a story wrought with pain. And yeah, I should and... have just sat back. I should have. I did it. I didn't do it very well. Yeah. But so, it's, I mean, uh, so I wanted to come clean about that. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of be, you know, come clean on my thoughts about that, and and once more apologize um, uh, for it. All right. So the second bit of criticism that we received recently via email was regarding episode nineteen with uh, James Ahadney of Dope Magazine. Um, during the conversation, James told us that he was going to be working with Mike Tyson in Las Vegas on some events, uh, which Emma and I both responded to, you know, with enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this listener pointed out to us that Mike Tyson is a convicted rapist and not someone that should be welcomed into the cannabis community. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, so that was a that was very much. So I think we both want to apologize, sort of, somewhat. Or how do we? Oh, definitely. W- yeah, I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. One, I feel sorry that I was ignorant of that. Um, it actually took me a moment to realize who Mike Tyson was. Right. So that's that's also just He's me. not a figure in your cultural memory. He, oh, yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. not. The um, way he is mine. I also, know. I don't do, he's he's in sports, right? He's a boxer. Okay, so I don't do sports right. at all. So I, I truly did not know anything about him. But upon learning that he's a convicted serial rapist, I am extraordinarily embarrassed to yeah. to the kind of just like oh, yay, great, a celebrity that you're working with, cool. Um, And that is where I definitely feel a responsibility with the platform that we do have, with the voice that we do have, to kind of call that out a little bit, to say, hey, actually, that's not okay. I mean, it's the trap that I fall into that we talked about in today's conversation with Sam and Lisa of like, when somebody grabs my ass, I don't say anything. When somebody cat calls me on the street, I don't say anything. Um, And and it's largely because I don't know what to say. And it is in this kind of like performative way of protecting myself, I guess, which is not okay. That that is something that we need to all move through and be able to confront those more uncomfortable situations. And especially with the platform that we do have on the show um, in, in the community at large, it is important to, to, to call that out more so than just be complacent. Yeah. I mean, I think that we could have, we, that's, it's an interesting sort of, again, going back to the conversation with Sam and Lisa um, regarding allyship and the event they're doing uh, on February 2nd, you know, that's an interesting sort of example of how, how do you handle in this, you know, this is a, this is a situation. How would you handle the situation? You're, you know, you're, we, 
we've invited this person in to be our guest Mm -hmm. on our show, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and and uh, and I take that sort of as a responsibility to uh, I don't know what I don't you know, that was it, it it was an opportunity for us to challenge him on this one thing. We didn't do it. I think we had that we had reasons. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't you know, like I knew, I know Mike Tyson and I, I guess I knew upon further thinking of it, of his history, his criminal history, but it didn't occur to me in the moment either. Yeah. It's something that I actually was thinking about a lot when we were going the, through the hearing with, um, Dr. Ford, Christine Blasey Ford. Yeah. For the Supreme court justice nomination and really thinking about how I am complicit in the patriarchy by taking that backseat role because it is it is ultimately for self-preservation um, being in a room with a powerful businessman even uh, it is something where it's like oh there's still something inside of me that says don't challenge him because you got a seat at this table you don't want to get removed from this right. table but that's patriarchy and that is it is a very complex and layered um, layered thing for me to think about and it's something that is not without shame for myself where I I definitely consider myself a very strong driven empowered woman but there are still those places in me where it's for self-preservation I go to oh I can't challenge that I can't challenge that I got here and I don't want to lose it here uh, and so I'll, I'll just smile and laugh and 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 whatever we'll move on from it but that's not okay that's not okay that's how I am feeding back into the patriarchy which is problematic ultimately and so i really appreciated the email that came in um because it's like right okay this is a this is a big responsibility and it is a a kind of like next level growth for me personally to begin challenging those more problematic uh things and it doesn't have to be in a in a hostile way by any means but just saying like ooh. uh Touchy. Let me push back on this exactly, a little bit. Let me exactly. Exactly. You're like, yeah. oh, Mike, the real like Mike Tyson was what what was who you went with. Yeah, even well, the, with all this problem. I mean, I, I don't I don't mean to minimize everything you just said, but like the failure really were really was more mine. I I knew more about Tyson's criminal history. Yeah, uh, I, did, it, I didn't, it didn't know. pop in right into my head. I will say, like you know, but but it is a great example of how I sort of failed. Uh, you know, as an ally mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the moment, mm-hmm. and I didn't sort of push back and say, well, you know, uh, hey, Mike Tyson's sort of the literal embodiment of toxic masculinity right. here. <laughs> Maybe right. we shouldn't be partnering with him on cannabis events. So, anyway, we just wanted to address, you know, we want we take criticism, uh, you know, good faith criticism of our show seriously, and if uh, if uh, you know our our phone lines are open, um, you know, let <laughs> us let us know what you think of the show and. Um, but yeah, we wanted to address those two pieces of criticism specifically. Um, and lastly, I like to say I hope that um, Dope Magazine, you know, reconsiders the, their partnership with Mike Tyson mm-hmm. um, for the reasons that we've we've just said. Um, we just spelled out. All right, that does it for this week's This Is Cannabis. Please remember to email questions and comments to thisiscannabis at xray.fm. Also, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at thisiscanna on xray. This Is Cannabis is engineered by Will Romy, and our theme music is the song Impossible OK by Portland artists Motric. Please be sure to check them out on Spotify. Wubba, wubba, wubba. Good night and good luck, and thanks so much for listening.